This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This episode, we will be covering Season 1, Episode 11, Paris is Burning. And the Netflix bio for this episode is... After Paris causes a scandal by exposing the relationship between a parent and a teacher, she is confronted. Hmm. I wonder which parent and teacher. (laughs) Um, Before we get into things, don't forget to rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, And also send us your gazebo moments from the first season to TalkingFastPodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at Talking Fast Podcast. We post every week, mm-hmm. sometimes more than once. Mm-hmm. And we have two quick announcements before we get started. The first is that this is our first episode with our revamped podcast structure. So please feel free to send us your thoughts via email or Instagram. And secondly, we will be taking a two-week break for the holidays, so our next episode will air on January 4th. Yay. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for Christmas. <laughs> I'm excited for not having school. <laughs> yeah, that will be nice as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get okay. into this episode. A lot went down. Oh, we can talk fast about it first. <laughs> I can attempt to... I. There's so much happening this episode, I I have a feeling I'm just going to, like, everything's going to be confusing and out of order. That's totally fine. (laughs) Okay, so you're going first. Are you ready? Okay. Three, two, one, go. So Lorelai and Max are really dating now. Um, They have a cute date. We also find out at Friday night dinner that there's going to be a parent's day at Chilton. Um, and, of course, Emily gives Lorelai some, some flack for it. Um, Rory asks if Max can go ice skating with them. Lorelai freaks out. And then there's a fight at um, the Chilton Parents' Day. And Suki asks out Jackson. And uh, everything goes badly. Oh, my God. <laughs> forgotten so much. Oh. Oh. How could you follow up Suki asks out Jackson and then everything goes badly? <laughs> Oh, yeah. That no. doesn't go back. Unrelated. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. There's just so much. I was trying to, like, follow the episode in my mind, but it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, are you ready to fix what I destroyed? <laughs> Maybe I'll destroy it further. We'll see. But yes. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, ready and go. Okay, Lorelai and Max are having a date. Then Lorelai gets home late. Rory reprimands her. Then... Rory um, sees Max again before Lorelai and Max's next date. They start to bond. She asks to, like, include him in this ice skating date. It freaks Lorelai out, triggers her commitment issues. 
then she decides to kind of break up with him. So she, at Parents' Day, decides to break up with him. But they they kiss, and Paris catches them kissing, tells everybody. Rory's upset. Max ends things. They need space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a so rough much. portrait of the episode. <laughs> as soon as, like, anytime that there's a lot going on in an episode and I have to start doing talk fast, I talk slower than... I normally would and get very confused and it's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's slow down and actually look through our our moments from this episode. Mm-hmm. I loved how the episode began, which was mm-hmm. with Lorelai and Rory walking through town, playing the alphabet game for diseases, which mm-hmm. I think was um, something... To- like who does the dishes or something like that? I didn't write down that part. It was their but... it was their way to decide who was gonna clean out the fridge. Oh yeah, <laughs> I loved it. It was it's like such a, I mean, doing like the alphabet game. I feel like it's normal for maybe like a road trip or something like that. Um, I've never done it with diseases, mm-hmm. and I thought it was very fun. <laughs> yes, but when they're on the letter p lorelei sees across the way a um a bunch of puppies so she says puppies which was for the letter p at the time but it's not a disease so i think she lost the game because later in the episode you do see her cleaning out the fridge oh good point i didn't even catch Mm -hmm. that (laughs) but this sort of um this pet fair i guess we could say is my welcome to starts hollow moment for this episode i thought it was really sweet it's in the town square which is always worth a nomination for cozy stars hollow aesthetics but it's full of cute dogs specifically one named buttercup and lorelei and rory are spending a lot of time reading buttercup's uh, little card and it seems like Buttercup doesn't like a lot of different kinds of people. And this is actually when Luke walks up and they say, like, we found a dog version of you. Uh, but he also says that Lorelai and Rory shouldn't be trusted with a dog because they can barely feed themselves. So this was like, it was f- like furry friends mixed with banter and humor that I love. And it also does a nice bit of job of foreshadowing Lorelai's larger commitment issues in the episode because they make a big deal about how she couldn't really handle Skippy, their hamster. And <laughs> that was, um, yeah. yeah, so I liked it. That was pretty, pretty much animal abuse, which she did to Skippy, the poor thing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> stuffed it full of Kleenexes. Yeah, that part was a bit rough. I don't I don't nominate that portion of the scene <laughs> yeah. because it they were joking about it, but it was pretty gruesome and cruel to be honest. I was wondering I wanted to ask you whether you ever had any tiny rodent animals as you were growing up or in your family. I feel like that's a kind of a normal thing for parents to get their kids to test out their ability to take care of things. <laughs> Yeah, I I did have a hamster actually growing up named Hammy. <laughs> so really clever name, right? But I would say it wasn't the best of relationships. The first time I tried to like take Hammy out of the cage and hold him, he like escaped from me and ran under the bed and I had to get my parents to like come 
help me get him back. And so I kind of took that as like a young kid as a sign that he didn't like me very much. And so I was very, I became afraid to like hold him too often because I thought it would happen again. I'd be denied again. <laughs> but um, he, he had a fairly fine life though, you know, like a, a good cage that that sounds wrong, but one of those hamster ball things too, you know, uh, uh, but he lived like a long life. Um, we cleaned his cage regularly, unlike Lorelai and Skippy, so that's good. All you can ask. How about you? I had, my siblings and I all had like just a plethora of little rodents. Mm. I don't remember any names of any specifically because we had gerbils we had mice at one point my sister and I got rats none of them lived particularly long I don't think any of them necessarily died because because we were bad parents it's, they just didn't live very long mm-hmm. but I always clean their cages so at least there's that yes mm-hmm. mm, this is a dark turn <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm just talking about all, all of our dead childhood pets maybe we'll go back to the episode in a a happier scene perhaps which is this um, date between Max and Lorelai at Max's place and we had questioned recently where is Max but we get confirmation in this episode it seems that they've been dating for two months so in the other times we just weren't seen him around I guess yeah yeah I guess he just wasn't wasn't that important but we find out here that he is pretty pretty important in Lorelai's life mm-hmm. at the time um they seem to have just had a dinner date where he made food that she didn't eat until he was cleaning up which just seems like a classic Lorelai thing mm-hmm. <laughs> um and also it gave them a chance to have some cute flirty banter mm-hmm. um we also get the exchange of Swan's Way, mm. which I don't understand this choice, this choice of book here. I have read parts of Swan's Way, um, but not all of it because Swan's Way is the beginning of a seven volume, uh, I guess, chronicle maybe by mm-hmm. Marcel Proust. And it's just stream of thought. It's just like stream of consciousness about his life. And I'm like, I, I just don't care about your life. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I think we should have, before watching this episode, set up some kind of drinking game for this episode <laughs> for mentions of Proust and or Swan's Way because they were constant. And I thought, I like, you know, just because it's so constant, I'm not going to give it over <laughs> his bookshelf. Like, I'm yeah. going to pick a subversive <laughs> thing in the episode. <laughs> I agree. This this was definitely, would have been the obvious choice, but mm-hmm. I I didn't give it Rory's bookshelf either. Um, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't blame Lorelai for only finishing one sentence because mm-hmm. it's true that sentence was probably 20 pages <laughs> It's just so hard to read. (laughs) And Rory says that it was difficult for her to read and that she had to renew it 10 times from the library, which I thought was actually a pretty great uh, description because I know people have asked before, like, including us, like, how well, like, how can Rory actually read 
some of the books that she mentions when she's you know so young and also that's no it's no nothing to her ability at all like these are (laughs) challenging books for anybody and so I was glad I was kind of gratified to know it took her 10 times to uh renew because I feel like I would need more than 10 times probably (laughs) yeah if every renewal is two weeks Mm. took her almost half a year which Yeah, I would need more than that. I'd probably need a full year to read that. (laughs) Right. But like many things, this book becomes more so a metaphor for their relationship. And, you know, he's willing to loan her a book is signifying his confidence in their relationship. I think we could see pretty easily. And this will become relevant later on when Lorelai attempts to return the book. So we'll we'll discuss that later on. They also, at at the very end of this scene, do a little bit of, like, teacher-student role-playing type flirtation, which I just, I know that that is some people's thing, but to, and, but it just, it just seems so cringy almost, seeing what's going to happen in the rest of the episode, Mm -hmm. and knowing that he's, he's her daughter's teacher, I don't know, but I'm sure that it, it wasn't, it you know, thought about very much. It's just a, you know, flirting. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely teach their own, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Lorelai, after having the after doing what follows their wordplay, <laughs> she comes home and Rory is in like a very kind of reversed sort of role playing the figure of uh, the the mom <laughs> who's waiting up for her child to come home. Lorelai asks Rory how many times Dean called her. And she, Rory says he called three times and then corrects herself and says five times. And then Lorelai says that's not a record. I can't, I cannot believe that. He called her five times in one night. I, no, no thank you. <laughs> I mean, I guess they don't have texting at this point, so okay, it's not like they could be talking any other way, but also just have a long conversation. Yeah, just talk for an hour or something. Yeah. What, like, what did he think of that many times that he needed to call her and mm-hmm. tell her about? Uh, hopefully he wasn't just checking up on her, because that's, like, super red flag. Agreed. I like that Rory, at this point, she looks up at Lorelai and just says, you look happy. And mm-hmm. Lorelai says that she is. And I thought this was a really cute moment of just like, things are good mm-hmm. <laughs> for now, <laughs> as we will see. Yeah, but. I agree. That was a sweet moment. Then the next day, we have a bit of a scene at Chilton, which is mostly just to provide some quick exposition in the episode for us to get the news that Paris's parents are going through a divorce that's being reported on in uh, the newspapers and everyone at Chilton, they're all, of course, gossiping like madly about this. (laughs) Uh, Something I will just flag very quickly, uh, the scene opens in, in Max's classroom and it seems like they're still learning about Emily Dickinson and that's been like, what, two months ago now it was before winter break for them so I thought it was a bit weird but he does have a he has a very I think like engaging lecture style it seems he has like a very captivating charismatic 
teaching persona too is basically the mm-hmm. thing I wanted to flag because I think I would like to listen to a lecture and I might learn something from him. Yeah, definitely. Even if he is just lecturing the entire class period, mm-hmm. it's not the kind of lecture where you would zone out. At least, not all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a good teacher, although I have many questions about his curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll get to that yeah. more later. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, we find out Paris's parents are getting divorced, and it sounds really messy. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris is the subject of much rumor and gossip. And we, yeah, see her just kind of lashing out and just feeling like shit at Chilton, which is, as Rory says later, kind of a turn of events. Right, a turn of events that works in Rory's favor, oddly enough, because people, Mm -hmm. I think, are so focused on something else other than the new girl. They're now onto Paris and, like, um, gossiping about Paris, basically. So Madeline and Louise say hello to Rory in just a very normal fashion. And Rory immediately is like, oh, my position here is changing. <laughs> Temporarily, it seems. <laughs> yeah. we After this Chilton scene, we have a very short Friday night dinner, which <laughs> led me to think of the time, the timing of all of this that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing that the Lorelai and Max date was, like, Thursday, maybe, maybe Wednesday. Friday night dinner, of course, is on Friday. Mm. And then the next Wednesday is the parents' parents' day. Mm-hmm. But when when Lorelai and Max talk later, Max says that he, ha- she, he hasn't heard from her for a long time. And I'm like... <laughs> At the most, weekend. it was four days. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good anyways. point. <laughs> Maybe Dean and Mr. Medina share a bit of constant communication desire that is not working well. <laughs> but mostly what this Friday night dinner is for um, is to just tell us about Parents' Day. Of course, Emily knows <laughs> that it's happening and Lorelai doesn't, so she has some fun kind of mm-hmm. playing with Lorelai basically until... Until Lorelai heatedly says that she will go to Parents' Day um, and Emily won't. Which, of course, is kind of what Emily wanted. Mm -hmm. Although I think Emily also would have loved to go to Parents' Day. Yeah. I guess I would just say, like, it seems like their relationship has returned to a kind of normal bickering place after where we left it off in the hospital scene. Uh, Which makes, you know, it makes sense. Like, when big things happen like that, they were bonded. But... Then in the return to the everyday life, they're back to this kind of classic sort of debate they have constantly. Yeah, it's like those two things kind of like the the fight over Rory getting home late from the dance and then the hospital day kind of cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. And now they're just back to <laughs> yeah, their normal relationship. Yeah. I did like that at one point... Um, Emily makes the joke about there being a mother-daughter talent show, which, of course, is just a joke, Mm -hmm. although she says it very straight-faced, and I love it. Mm -hmm. But I thought that this was particularly funny, knowing that I think next season, (laughs) Emily and Lorelai will have to do kind of of a mother-daughter fashion. 
talent show. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, it's a fashion show. Yes. And so I just thought it was a little bit ironic. I can't wait to give that a Lorelai's Closet (laughs) nomination. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. That that scene flashed in my mind also when she made that joke. And also earlier at the pet fair, I thought, no, there's no way Lorelai gets Paula Inka this early on, (laughs) right? (laughs) And no, she doesn't. I knew that was later on, but... I, part of me was just like, yes, we're going to meet Paul Inka, but no, we don't. Because it must be, like, she did get Paul Inka basically the same thing, right? It was like a pet adoption thing in the mm-hmm. town square. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> the next scene, which could be, it's most likely Saturday, I'm guessing, is this second date between Max and Lorelai. He arrives at the Gilmore's house um on time at eight o'clock <laughs> but Lorelai doesn't think that anybody arrives on time for dates I guess which causes an issue because Rory is still there and Rory says that their agreement is that Rory isn't there when she has dates she's not supposed to open the door but Lorelai still like forces her basically to go open the door and I'm gonna nominate this as my uh, Friday night dinner critique and this is basically um, an, the, for the whole episode there are multiple moments where Lorelai I not only Lorelai Max to uh, cross boundaries and mm-hmm. I'm I have been skeptical of their decision to date at all but when they had their kind of like wintry date I did feel very compelled by that and so I was kind of rooting for them you know but this episode made me return to my thinking that if they could maintain boundaries I do think they could have a successful relationship but they don't and so here in this moment Lorelai is going back on something that she's uh, said like she clearly has an agreement with Rory here and she does away with that earlier at Max's she like purposefully goes over to his desk picks up Rory's paper jokes about how he should give it an A. That just made me feel so uncomfortable watching that. Uh, later on, like, Lorelai decides to break up with Max at the school. Like, why there? That that never should happen. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead, but that's basically the most of my critique. Like, I don't want to fault Lorelai for her decision-making, but I think if she's going to make this decision both her and Max should hold themselves accountable to healthy boundaries with their personal life and Rory's life and the school it is just so irresponsible at this point I think yeah I completely agree I can't believe that they let it get this far but also yeah I just I was so angry at Lorelai in so many scenes because She's continuing continuously talking about the boundaries that she set, mm-hmm. and even in the, even in this scene, mm-hmm. they talk about the boundary that they've set. Yeah, and then Lorelai is the one who says, "No, to hell with that! You still you have to do this." Mm-hmm. And Rory, of course, as the subordinate in this relationship, the one who has to you know do what her mom says more or less. Um, also with the knowledge that her teacher is standing outside Mm -hmm. so she also probably feels some sort of obligation to like 
be on her best behavior in front of her teacher who she wants to impress. Yeah. Yeah, it was just... I... <clears throat> the scene was bad enough, but then when Lorelai still made her go answer the door, Lorelai easily could have just, like, made him stand there for a couple more minutes. Yeah. And zipped up her skirt and gone down, but the fact that she still made Rory go, I was, I was so angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... <sighs> I... <sighs> not to spoil the episode, although... Maybe know, I did. Already. <laughs> but, but, um... At the end, when Max says that they should take time apart, I agree. I think mm-hmm. that they should wait until Rory is not his direct student. As I think, as we've said before, it's unlikely that he teaches that he's her primary English teacher for two years in a row. Mm-hmm. So why not wait until when he's not her teacher? After the like kind of content that I wanted to critique. It was a fairly endearing scene to watch because Rory and Max are kind of like very distant and awkward at first when Rory answers the door, but then they do start to warm up to each other. Like Rory saw, as you pointed out, Lorelai's face earlier. Like Rory saw that Lorelai is happy. And then to also hear this confirmation from Max that he is feeling serious about the relationship too. I think Rory is like, oh, maybe this is going to actually be a thing and I could actually have this, like, guy... I don't want to say father figure in her life. Not that she needs one, you know, but he could be one, potentially. Um, And they come up with a cute thing, which is to say that they need non-Chilton names. And he calls her Rebecca and she calls him Norman because she saw Psycho recently, which is so funny. I wish they had kept the names. Like, they come up with the nicknames, but then Rory calls him Max later. I'm like, no, that's Norman. <laughs> I'm guessing he also called her Rebecca based off of that book called Rebecca, mm-hmm. which is like a, uh, like in the gothic romance kind of genre. I haven't read it. But yeah. Yeah, that's what I was assuming. And then Norman is just, yeah, hilarious. <laughs> but not yet my bookshelf moments Mm, not yet mine either (laughs) we're building the suspense (laughs) yeah um so max and lorelei i guess go off at this point rory's gonna go off to see lane which sadly we don't get to see Mm. the next morning so this is my welcome to stars hollow moment nice when we come into luke's diner and we're greeted by Suki and Jackson having an argument over squash blossoms. <laughs> and Jackson, of course, has invented a new vegetable and he just wants Suki to try it out because I think he compliments her very well in this. He's like, if any, if anybody's going to put this on the map, you're going to do it because she's such a good cook. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Suki's not having it. It's their, their typical banter and it, it's just like... Suki and Jackson are, like, the Stars Hollow couple to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they embody it so well just with their personalities and their interests and everything. So seeing their their banter here and also what comes later, I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vegetable he's made is called a zucchini tush, right? <laughs> and I think part of her... Um, dislike is based on the name that it's named after but she says but i agree with you it was such a warm and cozy scene that would probably be good also like Mm -hmm. zucchini i mean zucchinis are a type of squash right i would eat it 
Mm-hmm. Following that lovely interaction, we see Suki, Lorelai, and Rory at the counter at Luke's, and they are discussing their upcoming ice skating outing. And Luke offers to clean and tighten the laces on Lorelai's skates, and Suki says, wow, you get really good service here. <laughs> Which I thought was accurate and just another subtle sign that Luke cares so much and it is so it's so sad to me then that like while this is happening Rory and Lorelai are discussing Max pretty much and him becoming more involved in their lives even if that doesn't ultimately end up happening it makes me wonder like is Luke overhearing this and feeling like pining you know like mm-hmm. I, if I just clean her skates you know maybe she'll notice me <laughs> Oh, yeah, poor Luke. He, I mean, this is another episode we barely see him in, mm-hmm. but he is essential, I think, to these scenes. Yeah. He gives all sorts of character development to both of them and also just builds everybody's anticipation for the Luke and Lorelai days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we should highlight here that this scene, I think, is a bit of a catalyst for uh Lorelai to initiate her flight sequence (laughs) Uh, because Rory asks her if Max can come ice skating with them and this sets off some alarm bells for Lorelai first that Rory calls him Max by like a first name uh, but then also that she like wants to include him in a sort of family activity Uh, Lorelai is immediately thinking like oh wow Rory is getting invested Also, I'm invested, but that's kind of the part that she doesn't want to admit quite yet, that her commitment issues are on the surface about Rory being involved, but deeper down, they're about Lorelai and her feelings being involved. But we'll get there to that realization later. Yeah, I had been hoping that these realizations would be that she had breached boundaries and put Rory (laughs) in a bad situation, but instead... She uses that as an excuse to not mm-hmm. to not face her actual feelings. But <laughs> um, we don't actually, sadly, get to see this ice skating outing, which I think would have been fun. But mm-hmm. maybe it do... wasn't in the budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do get an ice skating scene in a while <clears throat> when Luke makes one for her. But anyways, yeah, we pick back up with them that evening, I guess. And Suki is helping Lorelai with, like, a foot bath, which I thought was interesting. I think just a way to get Suki in the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because why else, like, why would Lorelai need help with this? But, mm-hmm. um, they, yeah, they notice, or Suki notices that Lorelai is starting to be kind of cagey when she's talking about Max. And she goes on with her theory about, as you said, <laughs> the flight sequence for <laughs> Lorelai, which is... Once she hits two months with somebody, she starts looking for reasons to leave the relationship. Mm-hmm. That's something only a true friend would know, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was such a testament to Suki's, like, brilliant observation as well as how deeply she knows Lorelai. And he was calling out, calling her shit out, basically, you know? Like, yeah. you're doing this again, even if you don't want to admit it. Mm. Yeah, she's keeping track of all the patterns. Mm-hmm. I do have to say in this scene also is my Lorelai's Closet <laughs> nomination for 
Lorelai's ridiculous ice skating outfit. Mostly all of the pink puffy accessories she had on. She had her hair in pigtails, like on the top of the head pigtails. Mm-hmm. And she had um, yeah, pink fluffy hair bands around them. And I think there must have been pink fluffy like sleeve cuffs. Yeah, she, her, she had like a long black shirt on and around the cuffs of like the art the wrists it was like almost like a feather boa material but mm-hmm. on her shirt and that was ridiculous yeah. um yeah. my my Lorelai's closet nomination is also in this scene but it goes to Sookie who was wearing this like long green fuzzy cardigan uh she had on a t-shirt underneath that that said cuties on it in the middle but it was like red and then she had this long blue skirt that had a bit of a pattern on it that I couldn't quite decipher. But overall, it's like the ultimate picture of like a cute comfort outfit. Very like flowy, not restricting at all. It's definitely something I would wear. I don't wear many skirts, but I would consider it. That skirt looked like long and nice and whatnot. Um it just looked very cozy, which I loved. And it's still winter there, I think, supposedly. So it looks like a good winter outfit, too. Yeah, I'm always up for a good cardigan. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to return to the context of the scene, moving beyond the fashion of it, I did want to note that because Suki is telling Lorelai, like, hey, you're having your attachment issues or commitment issues, I think this puts Lorelai a bit on the defensive mode. And she accidentally lashes out at Suki, which was totally uncalled for. And Lorelai realizes this like the second that she says the comment, which is basically like, oh, you haven't dated in a while either. Like basically like I'm not the only one with dating issues here. And she has to like put in some work to walk this comment back, which she definitely did need to walk it back. I was very upset on Suki's behalf here. I think she does. I mean, she... The way that she immediately knows it was wrong is good. Um, but it was definitely uncalled for. <laughs> yeah, I did like how how she made up for it, though. Like, mm-hmm. she apologizes profusely. And then she asks Suki if Suki, who has just been teasing Lorelai by singing Ricky Martin songs, mm-hmm. Lorelai asks her if she wants to keep singing Ricky Martin songs. Mm-hmm. And reluctantly, Suki obliges. Mm-hmm. And this puts her back in a good mood. Yeah. And yeah, I liked this. I think I think it's inevitable that friendships will have like moments like this where somebody says something out of turn. Because if you're really good friends with somebody, you also know exactly what will get them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just say it without thinking. But yeah, the fact that Lorelai apologized right away and then um, knew what to do to make Suki get back in a good mood. I think it was it was just a good scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Are you lonely? Just had a breakup? Realize that there's nobody to talk to at home? Well, petfinder.org has the companion you've been looking for. And this Friday only, come meet your furry soulmate in the town square during our adoption event. You could take home Petunia, a cat whose poop does not smell like the flower for which she was named. 
Or you could adopt Monsieur Fluffy Pants, a corgi who will take you on walks around the neighborhood where you're bound to make friends because of his smiley face and fluffy butt. We even have a hamster for you to take into your home, Skippy, a survivor who is ready to settle down. But beware, he does have an aversion to Kleenex. So come on by the town square this Friday afternoon. Mention Talking Fast Podcast to one of our matchmaking experts and receive a free bag of food to take home with a pet of your dreams. But this deal doesn't end on Friday. Find your pet by looking through our adoptable pets on petfinder.org and enter Talking Fast in your adoption application for a free bag of food. Petfinder.org. Homeless pets on the net. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I feel like we keep saying, and the next scene, but this episode was full (laughs) of these, like, little scenes. I think we're doing a good job of keeping track of them, though. Uh, But (laughs) at Chilton, the next day is our next scene, so I'm assuming we're at Monday at this point, maybe Tuesday. Uh, It's basically a quick scene between Max and Rory in between classes and he's basically trying to figure out if Lorelai will be attending Parents Day the next day. So it must be Tuesday. Um, This is another situation I would flag of one of the inappropriate boundary crossings because he not only asks if Lorelai will be there, which has a subtle double meaning to it, of course, like, Mm -hmm. oh, is, yeah. Um, But he also mentions that he hasn't heard from Lorelai in a while. So this is providing like a this information to Rory so that she will inevitably go home and tell Lorelai that Max said he hasn't heard from her in a while. Like, that's his issue he should take to Lorelai in their relationship. Don't bring it into your thing with Rory at school where you're supposed to just be a teacher right now. I'm like, ah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like so many of these scenes are just making Rory be the go-between for for the relationship. And that's not fair because A, she's 16 years old. B, she's there's a huge power differential between especially Rory and Max. Like, he grades her. Um, he potentially has her future in his hands. Mm-hmm. And it's just not fair. And also Lorelai, like, she, should, she shouldn't be putting Rory in this situation. So, yeah, just, like, the continual making Rory basically clean up both of their messes Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of them just talking to each other um if max really needed to he knows where he can find her you know Mm -hmm. but that's basically all we see at chilton at this point so yeah monday or tuesday i'm still very confused about the timeline of this (laughs) episode (laughs) i think the writers were as well um but we get kind of an interesting scene back at home in stars hollow where, as you mentioned earlier, Lorelai's cleaning out the fridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and 
we haven't really had this before, but Rory fills Lorelai in on the Chilton gossip. Mm-hmm. And, like, tells her about Paris's parents. Um, and here is my bookshelf moment. Ooh. So Rory has told um, Lorelai that Madeline Louise said hello to her. And Lorelai responds by saying a normal hello or a here's Johnny kind of hello. And this is a reference to The Shining. Mm. Um, I, I'm pretty pretty certain that I'm getting this <laughs> this one correct. It's not from Signs. Um, uh, yeah, I don't have the greatest track record. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one is from The Shining. And it's like that famous scene where Jack Nicholson has beat down the door. Um, where his wife and child are hiding in their apartment in this huge hotel. He's beat it down with an axe, and he is, like, looking through, and he's like, here's Johnny. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, like, gone mad at this point. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen The Shining, I fully recommend it. A lot of people, it's technically, I guess, horror, but I wouldn't say it's scary necessarily it's just like psychological um there are some kind of like weird weird scenes but i wouldn't call it scary okay Um, it's just a good a good movie yeah i try to avoid scary movies so i haven't seen it before (laughs) but i can picture exactly what you were describing i have seen that image definitely yeah it's got like his signature arched eyebrows looking kind of crazy (laughs) wild-eyed That's good. I actually thought you were about to nominate the thing that Lorelai says next. Uh, She says Lorelai is the new, I mean, sorry, Lorelai says Rory is the new Heather, (laughs) which is a Heather's reference. I like that one too. Um, Okay, but this conversation between Lorelai and Rory does move from pretty lighthearted gossip to an argument fairly quickly because Rory... um, Lorelai asks Rory to return Swan's way to Max. This is where the, you know, the weighted metaphor of the book is coming into play here. It's signaling (laughs) that Lorelai is kind of wishing to maybe, you know, return the book and the relationship. Rory immediate, she's a smart girl, you know, she picks up on like, why do you want me to return this book to him? And they end up arguing about how Lorelai is being difficult avoiding this topic she's actively lying to rory by saying she has something at the end so she can't come to parents day taking back a promise she made to go and rory is calling her out for all of these things rightfully so yeah i was really glad that rory really stood up for herself in this point and mm-hmm. called lorelei out um i think in the first couple episodes of this season, we were led to believe that Rory wasn't the kind of person who'd stand up for herself. Mm-hmm. But I think in this episode, we're really seeing her like come into her own. She knows what's right and what what's wrong and what her mom and Max are doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And she's calling them out. Um, sometimes I think she kind of is a bit wishy-washy, but she's also 16. So yeah, she's allowed to she be. Can't- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was really glad that she basically just said like, "No, I'm not I'm not giving this back to Max. You can do it yourself. Just, you know, be an adult. Confront the situation and do it yourself." Um but of course, that means that we leave this scene with both of them angry at each other. 
and we start Parents' Day with that um, still lingering in the background. It's mirrored interestingly with Paris and her mom. We see them in the hallway having another argument. And she's being mean to Paris about, like, Paris needing to use a cleanser and covering up her breakouts. Like, these very unrealistic expectations for a teenager whose skin is going to be going through her hormonal acne changes anyways. Like, I, I know, you know, I we both like skincare and whatnot. So I saw that and I was like, hmm, should we have a skincare segment? <laughs> we should. Uh, unfortunately, though, this is skincare used to, like, antagonize your daughter which was not great and she wants her mom wants to leave it puts into context Rory and Lorelai's like even no matter what they have going on they're still in a world of difference than somebody like Paris with her mom and the amount of like uncaring going on there yeah I feel like this scene gives us kind of an idea of why Paris acted the way she did at the dance Mm -hmm. um with just kind of like exploding on Rory and because her mom is basically doing the same thing here like right just yeah I mean she's having a one-on-one conversation with Paris but it's loud enough for everybody to hear and -hmm. it's just like berating Paris for something that she can't help it's embarrassing her and yeah it's just it was so mean also this is the first class and like she hasn't even come to one class I her mother's terrible. I don't think we ever see her again, and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. <laughs> was I not looking close enough, or did you not see any other parents except Lorelai in this episode? I There were other parents. Like, when we go into Mr. Medina's class, they were all, like, standing around okay. in the back. Okay. All right. Because it was like, at first, is this all just a ruse on Emily's part to be like, sure, the newsletter said it was Parents' Day. (laughs) And then it actually wasn't. Uh, But we do see an example of Max Benita teaching, you know, on display for the parents. So he's kind of doing a whole spiel and whatnot. And within this Mm -hmm. spiel, I have a Rory's Bookshelf nomination, which goes to the writer... Edna O'Brien. Max Medita mentions that Edna O'Brien says you should read a bit of Proust every day. And this is within the context of talking about how they're about to do a creative writing unit, but reading is still important for creative writers, which I agree with. But the reason I selected this writer is because I had never heard of her before. And I looked her up and according to Wikipedia, it says that her work's revolve around inner feelings of women and their problems and relating to men and to society as a whole. Her first novel, The Country Girls from 1960, is credited with breaking silence on sexual matters and social issues during a repressive period in Ireland following World War II. The book was banned and burned and denounced from the pulpit end quote <laughs> um but that just sounded fa- like fascinating i haven't read a ton of irish writers but i really love to read women writers the issues she explores sound really important to me and i love that it was like banned and burned and denounced that must yeah. mean it's good right <laughs> so yeah. this was the first time i made a nomination based on like oh this is a recommendation for me to go read like i want to go read that which is always great i love book recommendations 
Strangely, this scene was also my Friday night dinner topic of conversation. (laughs) And I think it's kind of interesting because you bring up Edna O'Brien, who is the only female that Mm. Mr. Medina mentions this entire time. (laughs) So my my Friday night dinner critique for him is his curriculum. Mm. It's really, it really needs to be sorted out because it's (laughs) terrible. So the authors he mentions are Whitman, Homer, Dante, Shakespeare, and of course, Proust. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing all of these have in common. Two things, actually. Yeah, I was going to say. They are, <laughs> they are white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can think of, I, I'm a medievalist, so I can, of course, think of many medieval recommendations for him to do. Not necessarily in place of Dante, but at least alongside Mm -hmm. Dante. And I could even come up with a number for him to add to the Shakespeare unit, also the Homer unit. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not that great with the Whitman era, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we could do, we could come up with that. And I just, I think it's amazing that he's teaching creative writing with a class that is probably about 50% girls and 50% boys around there. And the examples that he wants them to draw upon are these kind of, for the most part, like alien perspectives. Like there aren't, there aren't very many people, although Chilton has more than many other schools, (laughs) There aren't very many people who would have that same perspective as these authors. Um, And I think it's just, it's really depressing that this is what they're getting as examples of how to write creatively and also whose voices should be heard Mm -hmm. and whose voices are valued. Um, Because what he's basically saying by doing this is you can all write creatively, but the ones that we're going to listen to are the white boys like Tristan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I, I think Max is better than that. I have faith in him as a teacher. I think he just needs to, you know, read up on some pedagogy and look at some other authors mm-hmm. and consider what his, what his curriculum is actually teaching the students. Yeah, you don't need to just read these quote unquote classics um, because they're they're just a very narrow view of the world. Mm-hmm. So I was just really disappointed in Max. Yeah, and I maybe he was just pulling out these names to be impressive in front of the parents, which he did at the parent teacher conference earlier. Mm-hmm. But even so, I I think it would be more impressive if he brought up other authors that might be more subversive perhaps for Chilton parents and it's like this is why we're reading these people this is what your students are learning mm-hmm. it was just sad I was I was disappointed in Max <laughs> yeah I agree completely and the thing he the only reason he mentioned Edna O'Brien was to quote her for her opinion that you should read Bruce like he wasn't saying yeah. we're gonna read Edna O'Brien <laughs> So I think that's further evidence for what you're describing. Yeah. From what you said about Edna O'Brien, who I also haven't read, I feel like she would probably also be a bit disappointed in this curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think she would have some suggestions of what to add instead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving forward, the classroom, 
the scene is over. Well, not, you know, class is over, I should say. And Lorelai decides, I already critiqued this, she decides this is the perfect time to return her book and break up with Max in the middle of Parents' Day. What a great time. <laughs> wow. I know. Yeah. I, I guess everybody's gone to lunch now, which is another question about Chilton. Mm. If this is their first class of the day, That's how are they point. at lunch already? <laughs> it's like a, like but, a 10 a.m. lunch. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she does this either during a passing period, I guess, or like the beginning of lunch break. And in a classroom, Mr. Medina does shut the door. So Thank God. Privacy, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they basically argue about the book, about giving back the book. And then Max calls her out for having ulterior motives of breaking up with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically boiling down to Lorelai saying she wants space, and he says he wants the opposite of that. He wants Uh, non-space. Lorelai saying she's worried about Rory being hurt. Max says, no, you're worried about you being hurt. So I think he is seeing things pretty clearly here. Um, He has some pretty, like some pretty harsh words for Lorelai, which do have some truth to them, but they do kind of cut. He says, um, after Lorelai says, you don't know me, he says, well, I must not know you because uh, you're blaming this on Roy and giving lame excuses. And I would have thought that was like beneath you because it's weak and pathetic. And I jumbled that up, but he does say it's weak and pathetic. And calling someone pathetic is like, that's pretty brutal, I think, honestly. Yeah. But I'm also like, is he not wrong, though? Like, that is what she's doing, and it is beneath her to be making these excuses. He could have said it maybe a bit nicer, but that is what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I, find it interesting that neither of them quite... I mean, Max kind of calls Lorelai out for using Rory as an excuse, but mm-hmm. neither of them really hit on... <laughs> the actual issue that this it's true this is affecting Rory but it's not just it's not just because they're in a relationship it's because they're both yeah as as you said breaking all these boundaries that they'd set and Mm -hmm. putting her in a position that's just uncomfortable not okay for a kid to be in Mm -hmm. and neither of them quite gets to that point in the conversation Case in point that they're not actually addressing the real issue is the fact that they start to make out completely like ignoring the fact that they're just at Chilton where anyone could walk by and see, which is what happens. And of course, it is Paris in a very apropos moment of drama. And Paris immediately goes to spread this rumor. Um, We like earlier we had the context about like how rough it is for her that everyone is gossiping at school about her parents. We just saw that scene with her mom. So I think we do have a bit of that background knowledge of like what kind of state she must be in as the reasoning for why she decides to do this. But it does feel very like cold in this moment. Like she does not hesitate. Like you don't see her think, should I go tell people? Should I not? No, she just immediately goes to spread this rumor and it's like wildfire throughout the cafeteria and it eventually gets back to Rory herself of course I have to admit I love how this scene was shot Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it's kind of like 
Paris comes in. The cafeteria is full. She, like, leans down and whispers to one person and then, like, strides down the aisles between the cafeteria benches. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just see her. It's like a wave following after Like dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Tristan comes up and does a little kissy face to Rory. Thankfully, he doesn't stick around or this would be a much longer episode. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to go off again. <laughs> yeah. I need a break, but- though. <laughs> But yeah, um, basically it gets it gets to Rory right at the moment that Lorelai is coming in, mm. and Rory rightfully is pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that we see what you pointed out earlier when you mentioned how Lorelai likes to refer to the rules that she's made only when she's using them as a way to say like either at like it's okay to break them right now. You can go answer the door. Or to say, like, I have these rules, but I'm a human. I messed up and I broke them. Which is basically her um, her way of addressing Rory's anger in this moment. They're fighting in the hallway. And Lorelai's like, I'm a human. I messed up. Uh, but she also wants to, like, enforce the rules now. Like, now that she wants an excuse to break up with Max, she's like, oh, it's because I realized how important the rules are. We got to uphold and maintain these rules. And Rory's like, you made them up. They need to be changed. Like, it's not working. And I'm just like, I'm so annoyed because Lorelai is blaming Rory here. And Rory is like, you're blaming me. Your rules are shit. Like, you're breaking them. They need to be changed. Not in so many words, but (laughs) I was just so annoyed watching this fight. Yeah. I was so proud of Rory, though. I think, yeah, she did really stand up for herself. Um, she kind of, I mean, she kind of waffles a little bit, I guess, mm-hmm. in wanting to, um, Lorelai to, yeah, rethink things. But I think, yeah, I think she's got great points. Um, and I love that she's, like, standing above the stair, above Lorelai on the stairs, just yelling down at her. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there are probably students watching this fight but i kind of like that we don't necessarily see that yeah um since we've just seen rory be humiliated um yeah i liked i liked rory rory's comeuppance in this scene Mm -hmm. or no rory giving lorelei her comeuppance (laughs) yeah 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 but yeah but it was just it was a painful thing to watch and i can't imagine i can't imagine that kind of humiliation at school that would have been very hard and speaking of Lorelai receiving her comeuppance, that would, was that correct? Yeah. Uh, the next scene is a, another fight. With, I mean, it's another rough fight. Uh, we've, you know, we've like had to recap many Emily, Emily and Lorelai fights. This is another one. I don't know if we need to spend too much time on it, but basically, what has happened is Emily has heard from the grapevine that about this incident with Lorelai and Max and she um is like why on earth would you date Rory's teacher how did you justify it to yourself and within this argument Emily is being pretty cruel to Lorelai but that notwithstanding these questions I think are good questions to ask and do point out things that we ask to like I think Emily is being too harsh and cruel to Lorelai overall, but within what she is saying, 
she could have had a more open conversation with her and been like, hey, let's talk about what, how, like, why did you do this? How could you, like, you know? <laughs> I yeah. thought there's some value to those questions if approached in a different way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think that there was like a good realization in this uh, fight for Lorelai, basically. When Lorelai realizes that Max could have actually been the person she wants to spend her life with. Like she, mm-hmm. she concedes that Max is different and he's not just any man. But at the same time, she, yeah, she doesn't fully admit, you know, at, to what they've done. And also, mm-hmm. she doesn't really admit to what Max means to her. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of building for later episodes, mm-hmm. of course. But yeah, I thought that was that was one of the most important things to come out of this little scene. Following this fight, we get another confrontation, this time between Rory and Paris. And this fight is my gazebo moment uh, because I think it was fantastic the way, as you've said, like Rory has been doing a good job of defending herself this episode. And this is another fantastic example where she calls out Paris for her hypocrisy, basically. Like Rory is like, I saw how bad you were feeling and you turned to make someone else feel that bad too. And you didn't stop to consider how many people would get hurt. You, like, hurt me. You hurt Mr. Medina. And she points out, like, how well Mr. Medina treats Paris. Like, apparently he reads her essays and says they're great in front of the class. And um, Paris, like, is a bit defensive at first. Uh, And Rory has this fantastic line where she says, you should take some dance classes because the way you express yourself needs some work. (laughs) Just a brilliant line. Um, but basically, Paris, like, takes all of this in, actually. And she does, like, realize the air of her way. She apologizes and says she shouldn't have said anything. And she does admit to, like, it's been really rough the way everyone has been talking about me. And Rory accepts this apology and says, like, hey, if you ever want to talk, and Paris is like, we're not friends. And they have this back and forth after this of, like, well, okay, maybe I'll talk. And I don't think I will, though. Like, okay, I'll be here. But it's a very, like, they don't want to admit that the door to friendship has opened in this moment. But it has, and it will, the door will open more. And I was just fine. I was really glad to see this turning point. And I feel like it made... Paris's sort of betrayal of Rory earlier on in the episode, it gave it more meaning and weight. Like, it wasn't only something cruel. I I guess, I mean, the way that she does, like, admit that it was wrong and that she apologizes, it does open up this new path for them to go in a different way rather than it to just have been this, like, yet another antagonistic thing. It turns the situation around, basically. It was good. Yeah, I completely agree. My notes say this is the beginning of a great friendship because <laughs> I, I agree. I think this is the moment where it turns for them. And of course, things will never be smooth when Paris is involved. But mm-hmm. this is really the point where they kind of understand each other, I think. 
And yeah, we do start to see a little bit of growth with Paris. She's no longer just the mean girl. She now has like another dimension to her, um, which I love to see because Paris is a great character. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next scene is actually my gazebo moment. I knew it. I knew it would be. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, after all that, um, almost the last scene of the episode. And Suki is cooking at the inn. Jackson comes up and he's got squash blossoms and he's going off about squash blossoms and stuff. Suki's just like watching him kind of, you know, zoned out a little bit, just like gazing at him. And all of a sudden she just asks him out. (laughs) And I loved this. It was so cute. And Jackson just says, okay. Mm -hmm. And Suki says, okay. And Jackson leaves. And that's that. And it's just adorable. Mm-hmm. I love their relationship. Yeah. I love it. The like, just ranting about vegetables. And she's like, <laughs> would you like to go to dinner with me sometime? He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it so much. I had such a smile on my face watching that. Yeah. It shows like they're, they often seem to be fighting. But you can even tell, like, even from the very first fight we saw with them that they both really enjoyed it. It was more just like a, a I don't know, like a verbal dance or something mm-hmm. for them. Because they just go back and forth and back and forth. And it's like each of them knows exactly what the other one's going to say, but they just still like like going through it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now we see that Suki realizes. Yeah, it reminds me of how we said wordplay was like foreplay for Max and Lorelai. <laughs> like in both of these relationships, language actually is a really big role, which is great for us English majors. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that's true. I, I like to think too, like, because this is coming from, I think it was like instigated by Suki's conversation with Lorelai days prior Mm -hmm. where she realizes wow I haven't really been dating it makes me think that she has had the like a crush or feelings for Jackson for a while for her to be like oh I should I should do it you know like she kind of had some momentum from that conversation and she mentioned like one of her reasons for not dating earlier had been her hours and like how she's always working or at the hospital she said (laughs) just like (laughs) another thing but like It's so nice for her to have someone like Jackson, who I imagine also has incredibly strange hours due to, like, farming, Mm -hmm. growing vegetables and things. And he understands her hours, and they see each other at work, too. So I feel like it really works on that professional and, like, passion in similar fields, too. They can, like, meet each other and understand each other on that level, too, which is just lovely. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But that was the most pure moment of the show. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now we're on to the final scene, which uh, takes us back to that cafe in Hartford Mm -hmm. um, that Lorelai goes to before her business class and where she and Max had met previously. And here they, they kind of have it out about their fight and what needs to happen with their relationship. Um, Basically, yeah, Lorelai admits that she was using Rory to kind of mask her own feelings. Mm-hmm. I thought the the thing that was downplayed a lot to me was that Max was called into the headmaster's office mm-hmm. and told that his job was on the line, mm-hmm. um, which we had 
predicted yeah. a while ago. <laughs> but I also, I, like, they, they don't talk about that. Like, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of flabbergasted about that. Right, because he's like, she kind of asks him, she's like, well, you still have your job, right? And he says, well, they threw around the word probation quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, you're right. I think it was downplayed, at least, especially on Lorelai's part. Um, and then Max is the one to say that they should take some time away from each other. So I wonder if we're supposed to think, like, even if he doesn't say it explicitly, his concern for, like, his professional situation is, like, a large thing behind that. But he also just says he's, like, not thinking straight and that things are hard. And I think that's what he points to as the reason, like, we shouldn't do this right now because it's too difficult. It's too hard for me to, like, think about this in a good way. But I I would be like, hey, I almost got fired. I don't think this is going to work for me. I need to pay my bills. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they've only been dating for two months. Mm-hmm. Like, are are you really going to allow yourself to be fired over that? And also, like, fired from a teaching job basically means you'll never get another teaching job because the, the recommendations and, like, your reputation as a teacher is so important in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would basically be the end of his career. Yeah. Especially because there there must be some sort of um, rule for teachers about dating the parents of their students. There must be. And yeah. obviously we see that there was. And so that means that he, like, obstinately kind of went went past these rules, didn't think that they applied to him. Supposedly he read the handbook that he talked about a couple episodes of back, back but I, he really can't have. <laughs> All right. Well, they're on a break now. <laughs> And the very last thing we see is Rory coming home to Lorelai in her room crying. Breakups are hard and Rory comforts her and must understand in that moment what has happened. And that's the end of the yeah. episode. We're left on that yeah. very sad note. On that I note. Wish yeah, I wish we could have ended with Suki and Jackson. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can pretend, and you know, in our hearts, that's where we'll lie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so since we were weaving in all of our segments into this episode, we are now done. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't forget to send us your gazebo moments um, from this episode or any episode in the first season um, in a one-minute voice memo to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com, or you can always just email it to us and we'll read it out for you, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yes, and as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow us on Instagram as well. We'll be back on January 4th. Yeah, see you in two weeks to talk more. Yeah, see you next year. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs)